Hello and welcome to Lunch with Lee. I'm your host Shane Lee. Today on the show, Dan Crowley, a former Australian rugby union player, playing 124 first class matches for the Queensland Reds and 38 tests for the Wallabies. Prior to his football career, he was an undercover cop in the Queensland Police Force, specialising in busting drug rings on the Gold Coast. He's now parlayed his wealth of experience into the world of business and is about to list a new business venture with his traffic management group. And Paul Sirinan, a former New South Wales and Australian rugby league player, playing 246 matches for the Balmain Tigers, 14 state of origins and 21 tests for the Kangaroos. He's also a former police officer and American footballer prior to his journey with the Balmain Tigers. He's a model for Lowe's, a coach and a sports administrator, and he was my hero growing up in football. Let's get started. And welcome to Lunch with Lee. I'm your host, Shane Lee. Today on the show, Dan Crowley, a former Australian rugby union player, and Paul Sirinan, a former New South Wales and rugby league player, and he was my football hero growing up. Welcome, boys. Thanks, Shane. Hello, Shane. How are you? Hey, Sirinan. Listen, mate, um, mate, you were my hero growing up. Um, Sirinan, I just want to start with you, mate. You, uh, I used to love, uh, in the backyard, Brett would, Brett would put on a, um, a, a Brett Kenny jersey. I'd have the Ciro um, I'd have a Ciro jersey on. I'd tape my head up. I'd pull my socks up. I never could quite pull my shorts up as high as yours, mate. I reckon <laughs> how, how a testicle never popped out the bottom of your shorts is beyond me. <laughs> mate, we, uh, we used to fight over the size 34 shorts when we got into the into match day, mate. But uh, th- yeah, things are, I mean, the jerseys were massive back there. The shorts are a bit tighter. So, uh, but mate, yeah, yeah, nice to be on the show, and I hope I hope you ran straight over the top of young Brett too in the backyard, mate. Well, that would have been fantastic. I did actually, mate. So, Dad, we had a, a sort of fibro garage in the backyard, and I always sort of opened up the sideline for Brett, and I drove him through the through the wall once, and I got, I got in a bit of trouble there. But Dan, um, as I, as I mentioned in the intro, uh, both uh, former police officers, Dan, just start with. What about the great news that young Cleo Smith being found? Oh, it's amazing, isn't it? You know that. And at a time of such a, a, a uh, of, of bad news around the country and around the world for the year, for that to be able to come out, I think everybody, you know, had a, a tingle down their spine because, you know, you don't want to admit it, but but it's one of those things, and we've seen it time and time again that you know that it, it ends completely the opposite way, you know, and yeah. um, in and to, to be able to come out like this, it's fantastic credit to everybody involved. Yeah, really, really, really good news there. And and Dan, I, I read your book, Undercover Prop, which is one of one of the great stories. How you were an undercover cop in Queensland, busting drug rings um, up there, but then your football career um, started to kick on, and you were sort of stuck in the middle there. But was it true that the police doctors used to put like track arms from needles so you look like a proper junkie to to do your job? Yeah, well, it, no, it wasn't the uh, it wasn't the police uh, doctors. That was actually my private doctor that I right. went to school because I went and saw him and, and told him what it was about. And it's one of those things that that, uh, that to start with, it was a bit of a, a, a mistake by myself because I hated needles, so I had to get used <laughs> to uh, being around them and not cringing all the time. So that was a bit of a bad play, but. Uh, as it, it's one of those things in, in that role, you just got to build a different bricks of you know, of credibility, and, and so one of them was just having having those marks in there, so you'd have your your, your shirts rolled up, you know, just enough so people can see it. So, right. so it was just one of those things that uh, that you just had to do. And and when your footy career kicked off, um, is it true that some of the journos used to know 
what you did for a job. So they, they used to keep your, your picture out of the match day program and, and off the TV so you potentially wouldn't have your, your cover blown. Yeah, well, I suppose it, it put it into context, you know, it was back in the uh, late 80s, early 90s, and, and rugby wasn't, you know, on the mainstream. Uh, it wasn't until after the winning the World Cup that we sort of got into any spotlight. So it was only really on an afternoon watch on the ABC, so it wasn't really the the, the TV of, of choice by most of the people, the clientele I was running after. So, you know, and so I had to, I had to, I had to uh, say to the um I let the you know the boss of the Queensland Rugby Union know, so he looked after us with regards to the to the information in the date and the day match books, and then I um, told one journo, uh, which was uh, Wayne Smith, and uh, you know he went through all that, you know, made sure that that nothing was written, nothing was photographed, and all that sort of stuff, and he ended up. I think he did. He he said to me, "I'll do all that as long as you can give me the uh, exclusive afterward." And I think he won won an award out of that. But Fantastic. he said it was all, all the boys realised it wasn't too hard because I wasn't doing too much to have my photo in the paper. Mate, it was yeah, back in the day when you could trust journos. Hey, now, Ciro, you you're on the beat now. Um, uh, a, a guy that I think you work with a guy called and he's um Dan's business partner, um, Jared Bowditch. Um. I think you worked over at Balmain, but he reckons when you were you're a copper back in the day, and it was a, a fight in the pub, Ciro, that you'd show up, get out of the paddy wagon, your huge frame of yours, all the Balmain supporters would come running over and try and get your autograph, and the other half would run away because they were scared you're going to punch the hell out of them. <laughs> that may have happened on one occasion, Shane, but uh, I was more, more, more renowned for protecting the mill room at Balmain Police Station. That was my... Uh, that was my my normal beat going from the uh, table to the fridge for something to eat and back to the table, mate. But uh, no, look, I, I had my very fond memories. I I, I wasn't uh, I'm probably not quite as uh, astute as, as as Dan in, the, in my policing days. I made three arrests in five years, mate. So it, uh, <laughs> I wasn't big on typing and all that, all that paperwork. But uh, yeah, uh, community policing was was my go. Just get out and mix with the punters and say good day and go have a have a coffee down Darling Street and. In around the old number eight, number eight division, in around Balmain and Leichhardt and Annandale. Yeah, it was, uh, they were good days. I want to ask you both this question. Well, what do you think you took away from, from your, I suppose, your working life and how did you use that in sport? Did you use any of the skills? Like, well, here's a question for you. Who do you think, what sportsmen do you think would have made good criminals? <laughs> well, <laughs> if, personalities. If, 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 I, 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 uh, I, I jokingly say, because I'm not a, obviously a, a fan of the of the drug culture, but uh, in this day and age, you wouldn't have to leave the the, uh, the dressing room to be able to do a buy. <laughs> <laughs> it's across all codes, isn't it, too? <laughs> it, 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 it is, unfortunately, you know, so oh, yeah. it's... But, but when you're talking about you know what, about sport and and uh, and policing and, and mm. stuff like that, I think the big thing is around f- from my perspective, it's about the discipline. About well, back then, obviously, and Ciro was the same. You had to hold a, a job and play at the same time. Yeah. So it was that discipline of being able to balance balance both and make sure that you had your head on in the game when you were playing a game, and you had your head on in the coppers when you were doing that. Sarah, was it easier being a, a copper or, or putting your head in on a scrum every week? Um, well, it depended who, who, who you were playing on the weekend, actually, Shane. But yeah. um, look, I, I, I just, and it, it sounds a bit corny, mate, but just a sense of, of, of a camaraderie and teamwork in the coppers too. It was really yeah. a sort of a, it was a, you know, us against them, you know, you know mentality sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. where, where, where you had, you know, it, it, and again, it, it depended on what area of Sydney you worked in or what, 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 you know, what state or what, you know, wherever, mate. So it, it's, it's um I, I really enjoyed my time and I I kind of flirted after I, I retired. Um 
the, the New South Wales police that, that there was a bit of a bit of a call out to get ex coppers, you know, old, old and mature coppers to come and, and rejoin. And I, I, right. I, I, I toyed with the idea for you know for, for a few weeks, and then mm. you know I spoke, I spoke to a couple of blokes who I'd, I'd, I'd gone through who, who are now sort of inspectors and whatnot, and they just said, "Oh, look, man, and, and, you know, it's a famous saying that the job's changed and bits and yeah. pieces." But uh, yeah, got, kind of flirted with that, but then ended up. Working for American Krispy Kreme Donuts, so there you go. Cyril, go. <laughs> I can guarantee you're the same as, as me from a point of view of whether it's about footy or whether it's about the coppers. Thank Christ they didn't have the phone around. Yeah, oh, so true, mate. <laughs> Policing run, runs in my family. My uncle Terry was was a cop. My my two cousins um, are still currently in the police force, and and Luke Luke's head of the. My cousin Luke Buxton's head of the the bomb squad here, and he was the one that cut the collar bomb off young Madeline Pulver's Maddie Pulver's neck. Yeah, mm. um, so yeah, I've, I've sort of lived and breathed it personally, and they do a wonderful job, the police. And thank God that they don't get paid enough, that's for sure. Hey, now, Sarah, I want to ask you, mate. Um, prior to going into the police, or I suppose the police force, you you started, you got a scholarship with. Um, was it the Hawaiian University for for American football? Yeah, University of Hawaii. Yeah, yeah. It's um, I, I look. Look, growing up, Shane, all, all, all I wanted to do, like, like like most kids, and I think I'm the same ilk as, as Dan. You know, we were born the same sort of time, so I, you know, it was it was footy, yeah, footy in the winter and cricket in summer, and 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 all I wanted to do was play footy and, and, and join the coppers. Mm. Um, yeah, my grandfather was a copper, so but look, yeah, I, I had a little, you know, a little twelve months stint over in Hawaii. It was a bit of a, you know, I finished year twelve. Uh, at school and, and an opportunity. Um, Colin Scott's not, not the yes. Colin Scott from um, from from Brisbane, state of origin. Colin Scott, but Colin, Colin Scott's at NFL guy. Yes, that's right. And, and, and Colin had been recruited about eighteen months before I went over and had great great success in his first eighteen months. And they were really really pleased with his, his progress. So they they came down and scouted. I'd, I'd been picked in Australian schoolboys merit side, mm-hmm. um, and they, you know, they asked the coach who, who they recommended. You know, had a bit of bit of size about them and a bit of potential. So I, cut a long story short, I, I it, within sort of three months, I ended up yeah, meeting one of the scouts from from the university, and I was I was over in Aloha Stadium watching the Pro Bowl in, in January. So it <laughs> ha- happened very, yeah, happened pretty quickly, and then mate, I I really enjoyed it. Um, you know, all the, the schooling and the, the, the and that sort of thing. But I'd I'd actually come home during my the summer break in college. I came home and I ended up playing about four four or five lower grade games for the Tigers and ended up playing reserve grade. And you know, and because I've been in the gym and got fairly strong, mate, I was you know ragdolling blokes in reserve grade. So I thought, you know what, I might <laughs> uh, I've just turned nineteen. I thought I'm gonna you know I might come back and give this a crack. So, but uh, no. It, it, you could have been the rock. You could have been doing movies now. <laughs> well, I would have been more the pebble, I think, Dan. I don't know about the rock, but I, uh, yeah, who knows, mate? Who knows? Let's take a little break now. And, of course, we're doing this one via Zoom because Dan's up in Queensland. Um, it's a bit rainy outside. Nice little toasty, maybe with some truffle oil. Yeah, some nice maffrachetta cheese in there as well. That would be fantastic. And a little green salad on the side. And, of course, got to have a beer, don't we? John O'Brien is a legend of Australia's beer industry. In 2003, he dreamed of producing a great-tasting beer that could be enjoyed by everyone, free from the ill effects of mass-produced wheat and barley. John began a brewing journey blending unique aromas and flavours offered by ancient grains such as sorghum and millet. He perfected recipes over time which have led to 40 local and international awards, including three gold medals at the Australian International Beer Awards, a gold medal at the Indies and a silver medal at the Beer World Cup. Proudly 100% Aussie-owned, made in Ballarat, O'Brien Beer is Australia's most awarded gluten-free beer and widely available around Australia through major retailers 
and online at rebellionbrewing.com.au. O'Brien Beer, the beer that loves you back. Now, there's nothing like a healthy head of hair. Shane, when I first met you, those blonde flowing locks, well, they had a life of their own. Yes, Timmy. As they say, look after your hair and everything else will take care of itself. Now, I've got something for you too, Timmy, even with that silver fox look. It's called Main Hair Care. Oh, Main Hair Care. I know it. I absolutely love it. Yes, mate. Specialised men's hair care, targeting scalp conditions to stimulate scalp and over time improve growth. Oh, it's a fantastic product. It really is. I also note that it's all Australian, fully organic ingredients, Shane. Yep. Not only will you look good, but the scent is just wonderful. Main Hair Care. I'm going to get it on today. And that's spelled M-A-N-E, mainhaircare.com. Dan, um, and talk about ragdolling, uh, was it true you, you were the first player to be um, suspended uh, due to the video ref? Yeah, un- unfortunately, yeah, it was a test match over, uh, against the Kiwis. That um, They they brought in the first time they brought in the, the video referee. So, um, you know, one, once they allowed the, the linesman to be able to do a report from the sideline, mm-hmm. as soon as they brought in the video referee, that was that was the, the significant decline in my game strategy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, apparently you, you denied the, the charges, but uh, the video showed that you stomped on some uh, All Blacks head or something, didn't you? Oh, look, he, he was wearing a black scrum cap. It looked very much <laughs> Play like on, play <laughs> on. That's it. And, and, and my, my defense defence um my defence line about I didn't know it was uh, illegal to kick a kiwi in the head it didn't really work over in New Zealand so you know 6 8 weeks later well I think you got more you got in more trouble at home when you got home because due to suspension you we weren't getting paid and you couldn't your wife's you could said you couldn't finish the driveway at the time so you, you got in trouble there as well absolutely no love been away for, for a number of weeks come home and the only thing I uh, I get at the front door when I open up instead of a cuddle and a kiss is good on you, dickhead. There goes the driveway. <laughs> I love it. Hey, Ciro, um, and I, I love the the close camaraderie um, you have with some of your your, your former teammates, uh, Blocker, Benny, um, Wayne Pierce, Gary Jack. Yeah, you, you played in a real golden era there, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Look, I, I, I think um, and that footy was a bit different back then. Yeah, you know, prior to player managers trying to shop everyone everywhere. You know, it was a, sure. It was more of a sense of, you know, being a local junior, you had to live, you know, when I first started playing great football, you had to live in the district, you know, to qualify as a, as a local player. So, you know, it blokes were forging up, you know, addresses everywhere. But, um, no, it was it was, it was more, you know, a lot of local juniors came through, like the pathways sort of stuff back then in the 80s was a lot more prevalent, you know. Sure. But, um, yeah. but, look, yeah, I, I guess when you have a, have a, have a crop of guys who – who have you know individual success at sort of origin and, and test level, and we, we all play together at club level too. You know, we we got got awfully close to winning a premiership, and they yeah, yeah. they reckon it, it's a bond, it's a bond that you share for life. But well, you know, you know we went went fairly close, mate. So we it was still all all, all fairly good mates, and we 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 had a had a really good reunion uh, a couple of years ago, like organised in 2019 for that that 89 side, 30 years, and it was it was nice to catch up with with guys and just just talk about. You know, what they've been up to, a lot of fellas we hadn't seen for several years. So that's yeah, nice. And, and Dan, um, you just recently the 1991 World Cup that you were part of. Uh, that was 30 years last week, wasn't it? Uh, two days ago. Two days ago. There you go. Yes, it's uh, it, yeah, 30 years. It get the goes past pretty quick. Normally we'd have a reunion, but 
in, and that's the, the great thing about winning some some bits and pieces is you get a reason to, to as uh, Ciro said, get get together with the boys and and say good day. But unfortunately, during this uh, this time of COVID, it made it very difficult. And Dan, what was the story about the practical joke with Tim Horan? A lion's head on a tour to South Africa. <laughs> You've been talking about it, Steve. <laughs> so we were doing it again. This is back in the good old days when it was a bit looser. So we uh, we were doing a tour of South Africa, and we played uh, one game on a week on the weekend. And so the, the coach had taken us to a, a game park, and and we'd hide out the game park for the for uh, for the next couple of days. And so the, that day we've gone out in the, in the four-wheel drives and the Eskies in there, a few thousand beers were consumed and going out. It was fantastic. All, all the, 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 the game you can possibly think of that was there. Anyway, we've come back and the, the, the owner is a big six-foot-five South African fella. He's got up there and and he's put on a barbecue, or a bry as they called it, and he's, he's talked to the boys. He's, he's got these bins of, of beer still there. He's, he's, tell, he's got up there and said to the boys, I'm pretty bad at the South African accent, but he's basically got up there and said, boys, fantastic to have you guys here. Make sure you have a good night. we got all the barbecue and, and all the food there, and there's plenty of beer for you to be able to have a great night. But just be careful because, uh, as you know, we around here we do not have fences, and so the cats, sometimes they get the smell and they'll come through and do a bit of a wander. So when you go to bed, make sure you shut your windows and your doors. And so we're in this, this semicircle of, of huts around the bride. Anyway, we're all, you know, in first thing having a few beers and a bit tipsy, and next minute we're all staring out into the dark looking for eyes, you know, like everybody's worried. Every, everybody except Tim Oren. Tim Oren's got going through his head because he's an A-grade practical joker. Yeah. Anyway, so the, the big fella goes off and, and leaves, and and uh, and then Horan's missing. And so one by one, the boys go to bed. Next minute, Horan's come out from the main the main lobby, and in this main lobby, it had a full uh, full lion skin with the paws, the head, and everything still on it. So he's stolen it from the uh, from the, the lobby. He's come out and he's told us all about what he was going to do. And we've all completely disregarded the the, the gamekeeper. And we've run around the back behind one of the lo- the, the lodges, looked in the window. It was perfect. Horan's got in there, put the lion skin over, got on all fours. He's opened up the door, and there's two guys to, to a room. So he's he's gone in all fours. One of the boys is there. He started scratching him with his paw on his on his shoulder. Anyway, so so this guy, he's one of the boys, Daniel Smith. He's looks, he's looked up, and he's looking directly in the eyes of this of this lion. And uh, he, you know, if it was a Ford, as I've said before, he would have got up and he would he would have wrestled it. He would have killed it, you know. But no, it was a back. So so he stood up. He screamed. He jumped over his mate and the other bed, put his back against the wall and started pushing his mate's bed towards the lion. <laughs> anyway, before we were, we were in the window, in the windows crying where they were looking at, and a second later before Horan could take the uh, take the, the uh, skin off, the door slammed open and here's this South African with a shotgun nearly shot him. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Ciro, what did um, what did you make of the the, the Netflix uh, doco on Tiger Town? Uh, well, I work for the Tigers, James. Yeah. Yeah. I've, yeah. I've got to be. Yeah, I, I, I thought they like how how they ended the show. It, 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 it kind of you know, like, like Madge. I, I, I had a bit to do with Madge on a well, no, I wouldn't say the daily basis, but you know, from week to week, I see him and say good day, and he'd be. He, he certainly doesn't swear like he did on take on to be doing this show, but yeah, sure, yeah. I mean, coaches get, get fairly emotional at half time, but um, look, it, it served the purpose, I guess, mate. I, I guess you know the, the exposure for, for the club, and it wasn't unfortunately, it wasn't the season that they that they would have liked, and you know, and and was portrayed in the in the yeah. show. But 
But um, it, it just gave all, all league fans and supporters a real, real insight to what goes on, you know, the workings in a, in a football club and how things have sort of changed from from the old days. But uh, no, she's she's fairly intense. Uh, you, you can That's see, sure. yeah, I mean, and, and particularly in Michael Maguire, he, he wrote every you know every every play, every tackle in most games, and you know. Doesn't do much for your hairline, mate. When you're, no. you're a coach, I don't think, mate. <laughs> but but, but I tell you what does, mate. You're involved with the New South Wales State of Origin uh, this year. That was a fantastic series, wasn't it? Oh, it was. Um, yeah. Any Queenslanders on this show? Uh, uh, yeah. No, we. Um, it was okay. That, that, yeah. Look, it was all right. You know that, that. Yeah, fifty points up in Townsville for the, the opening game, and then the shutout at at, uh, at at Suncorp in game two, but. You know, they had to try and square it up in the Gold Coast for game three. But no, look, it, it's – Easy blokes quickly forget <laughs> We have hey, to we, forget yeah, the last no. decade. Oh, mate, I, I had that sort of ram down every Queenslander I know. Don't worry, I was reminded on a, on a regular basis what had happened for eight years in a row. So, but yeah. but look, no, no, it, it's, it's, it, it, goes, it, it goes, it cycles, it always does. And it, it has and it will and it will continue to do so. We've got some real – Real wonderful players at the moment. You know that that, that back line we've got was fairly special. So yeah, big time. Yeah, you know, there's there's some points in there, mate. So it's um, yeah, yeah. gone to the days where you be trying, you know, with the ten meter rule, the six again. You know, gone to the days we grind out a ten eight win in an Origin game. Now it's it's open and they're so athletic and big and fast and strong, mate, and skillful that you know points are going to get scored, which is which is a good thing. I, I think fans like seeing. Uh, well, the modern day fan likes to see points scored. I'm, I'm, do, a, I'm a rusted on old fan. I, I don't mind a, a 10-8 win and a, and a grind and a, you yeah. know, a heavy defensive game, but that's you know, it's we're all entitled to you know, our, our opinion on games. But it's a, a, a wonderful crew of blokes, and we've really had the you know, I come and board with Freddie in yeah. in 20, uh, 2018, 18, yeah. So we've yep. you know a little hiccup last year, twenty twenty, but no, he's won four out of five series, so he's gone. Or four, yeah, four out of five, so he's going okay, Freddie. If you're enjoying this episode, why don't you check out a past episode where I spoke to three different footballers, Jude Bolton, Mark Hughes and Brett Kamali, when we spoke about all things AFL and rugby league. And then um, the Wallabies are tracking quite well at the moment. Um, some really, really good signs there. They're, they're a bit, um, there are quite a few men down for this UK tour, but... They're heading in the right direction, I think. Yeah, I think so. I think that uh, they're starting to show some promise. Obviously, the, the games that um, that they have played have been against you, you know the lower the lower tier teams. So you know, obviously, the litmus test is against the Kiwis, and and they've got a fair way to go to get back uh, into that. But they're, they're bit by bit, you know, block by block, they're starting to grow. It'd be good to see them, you know, take another couple of steps in this UK tour because um, playing in the UK, it's a completely different sort of uh, game. Uh, to The way they play over there, it's very grinding. Um, Got to make sure that the forwards are uh, really anteing up in, in what they do. So it'll be interesting to see how they adapt to be able to play that. But if they can show that they, they're taking steps on this tour as well, regardless of losing a couple of guys, that's what they, you know, it's an Australian team. They've got to have, you know, quality you know quality players in, in each of the positions if they want to make sure that they're at the top of the standings. Big time. And now, Sarah, if you're a horse, mate, you're, you're a fantastic sire as well, mate. Um, two boys played footy. Curtis playing really well for the for Manly Seagulls. Yeah, he's uh, well, he's done and dusted there. Boys, yeah. he, he's um, he actually leaves in, in less than two weeks. He's off oh, to the he? UK. Yeah, okay. so he he signed with St Helens in the Super League. So he's okay. he signed a two year two year with one one year option over there, mate. Which will be a, it's a new new start and adventure for him, which is great. And then uh, the 
the youngest boy's just uh, Bailey's just he's with the Warriors, so he, he's um or the the, the Redcliffe Warriors next year, mate. He's just yes. moved into well, he's just got himself an apartment in Brisbane, mate. Um, so he's he'll commute on a you know on a daily basis up to Redcliffe for training. I think it's about half hour down, something like that, thirty five minutes from. Yeah. Fortitude Valley up there, so he's um, yeah he, he'll um is he set up for his second year of the Warriors. So, uh, but they're, yeah, they're, they're enjoying it, mate. And we're you know there's my wife and my wife Lee and I just rugby league fans, mate. Yet yeah, regardless of the boys playing, we're, we're sort of you know we'll watch probably half a dozen games every weekend anyway. Do you get do you get nervous watching them? Because it must be hard as a, as a former player yourself. Like, what advice do you give your sons? Do you do you say too much? Do you say too little? Like, how, how do you feel? How do you feel when you're watching? Yeah, I, I don't know if you've got grown up kids, Shane, but yeah, they, they don't really listen to the, 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 <laughs> the old man. Mate. Like, you know, as, as much as you try and impart some some wisdom with them, from you think from time to time, but they mate, they, they've had to learn, learn their own way, mate. Really, it's yep. it's you know, I mean, I'll, I'll tip them up every now and then if I think there's stuff they're doing which is not helping. Yep. I'll be on the field. I'll, I'll, I might pull them up a little bit, but you know, but by and large, I'll sort of let them go. And Curtis has battled a lot of injuries, mate. He, he's sort of, you know, by the time he was twenty-four, he'd had sort of eleven major surgeries. You know, wow. he's just he's battled that his whole career. Unfortunately, mate, I just hope that he's, you know, he can put together a couple of good seasons over there. And the young Bailey sort of he's got to work out what position he's going to be. He's a bit of a utility at the moment, but he, you know, yeah. he's enjoying it, mate. He's, he's got a really good motor and he, you know, he, he'll have a dig every game, which which is good. So, but um, yeah, look, we, we, you know, I mean, you still get nervous, particularly if you see him go down in the, in the back play or something rather than, you know, here we go again. But I've kind of, kind of got used to it over the last sort of <laughs> 10, year, 10 years watching Curtis. And Dan, how, how, talk about injuries. How's your body post-career, mate? You're the most cap red, most cap reds player, weren't you? Oh, there was there for a while. The boys yeah. have overtaken me these days, but it's a, a bit of a, a different landscape. The amount of games they, mm. they play these days, but no, no, no. Panel beating wise, uh, not too bad of it. I, you know, I started. I started as tall as zero in in the six foots when I first started. I'm now down to five foot eight because of scrumming. <laughs> And and so they put a couple of couple of spinal rods and a uh, replacement shoulder. But other than that, and I, I had a, uh, a a hiccup about eight years ago um, where I split an artery in the back of my neck and and um, threw a blood clot and had a stroke. So that put me into hospital oh, rehab for three Jeez, months. Yeah. So that sort of shook me up a little bit, but I'm pretty good now. Fantastic, mate. And I, I, I really wanted to ask you this um, question, Dan. That doing your job, we said the start, you're undercover. You're putting these crims away. Have you ever worried about them getting out and coming back? And you know, once you release the book, or how do you feel about that? Yeah, my, my wife wasn't really too pleased about the book. She was saying I was, <laughs> I, was I was upsetting people and, and bits and pieces. But mm. seriously, it's it's the the guy and and I think Sarah would know this as well. It's the guy that doesn't say he's going to kill you is the one you got to worry about, right? You know, so you know, a lot of guys, a lot of the the guys. Um, uh, you know, it's it's well past now. I had a little bit of a, a brush just early after after I finished and, and had to uh, move addresses, but but outside of that, it, it hasn't been too bad. But it, it's interesting about the Australian psyche. You know, you you got to love them. And in the uh, so you you do a you do a job for X amount of period of time, and then and then they go in and, and do all the raids on the, on that one day. And back now that they they keep the identities of the of the agents secret, but back then they used to wheel it out every time and like the prize pony. Yeah, and you'd, 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 they'd be in the interview room. The guys would go, "Nah, mate, I didn't do anything. No, nah, I didn't do that. No, that's rubbish." Blah blah blah. <laughs> and then they'd wheel you in and go, "Oh, this guy, this is Detective Crowley. Do you know him?" And then they just put their head down, and then they'd look up, and then half of them would get up there and go, half of them would want to jump the the table and get you, 
And the other half would get up there and go, oh, good on you, mate. Well done. I had no idea. <laughs> well done. And you go, mate, you know you're going away for six years, don't you? You know, like, fair yeah. <laughs> Now, um, now, talking about uh, being very talented and diverse, Ciro, you, you, you're, you're a model still. A model oh, for Lowe's. Please. I don't know. I don't <laughs> haunt houses after midnight, me, mate. But uh, no, I, I've had a, a fairly long association with the good people at Lowe's, mate. It's been it's approaching sort of 28, 29 years now. So, I, I, yeah, I did my first ad back in back in the early nineties, and um, and I'm still doing a bit, bits and pieces, which is which is great, mate. Just but, used to you and the other man, uh, man model left, Daryl. Yeah, big man, Daryl Broman, <laughs> another famous Queenslander. Yeah, he's um, well, yeah. Look, I, 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 you know, there's probably no, no one is stupid enough as, as us two to keep, keep keep doing it for you know for what we get <laughs> what we get paid. But no, no, no we'll, we'll compensate them, mate. But they're. Um, but a really good, uh, really good crew of people, and uh, you know, things have changed over the years, obviously. But um, no, no, it's 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 good fun, mate. It, 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 Brent's digging holes in the road for you know a thousand bucks. One hundred percent. So I ask every guest on the show the same question. We have a lot, a lot of um, school parents that listen to this show, and I ask you first, Dan, um, if there was a young, talented rugby union boy or girl coming through that now wanted to go into professional rugby union, oh. what advice would you give them? I, th- I think. Uh Two points. One would be just you know give it give it a, 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 the best crack you can because yep. once you're finished, you don't look back with a regret. You know, do do it absolutely a hundred percent in what you're doing. And at the end, and the second bit of advice is have a backup plan because okay. it's a, a very pointy a pointy end there to get to the professional uh, level and stay at that pointy end for, for a long period of time. And, you know, what you want to do is make sure that you have that plan um, going forward. It doesn't matter if you play for, for five minutes or, or, or 15 years. You want to be able to come out the other end and make sure that you, you, you're jump, not jumping into nothing, that you've got your life yeah. plan. No, well said. And Sarah, a young boy or girl coming through that want to play rugby league, what advice would you give them? Yes, yes, some wise, wise words there, Dan. I, I actually work in the, you know, I, I work in the pathways now, so mm-hmm. I, I, de- I deal with, you know, from from seventeen to, to nineteen year olds whose dream is to play in the NRL. So it's, yep. it's, it's, it's right. You, you, you've got to give it a red hot crack, and you know, there, there, there's days that the big thing is for them now the life balance with, you know, with with you know, social media and all those other bits and things that are going on with school and whatnot too. They, they they've really got that life balance and. When you get to training, you've got to put that all, all that other stuff behind you and just yeah, have a red hot go. And then you know there's there's time for times times to unwind and, and whatnot. But it, you know you've really you know I mean what you do outside of outside of training is the important stuff really. So but uh, it's you know, I listen you to listen to people who've been there before. That, that that certainly helps too. See, Ciro, I thought you were going to say to me, pull your socks right up, pull your pull your pants right up, way you take yourself. <laughs> Put on some white tape and yeah, did. Get 30, get high 32 knees. shorts on. Yeah. High knees. Hey, boys, I, w- I want to thank you both for coming on lunch with Lee. It's, um, we'll do this over a proper lunch. Uh, and Dan, when you get down to Sydney, mate, when you can travel, good luck with your, your new business venture, Dan, um, the traffic management space. Um, keep an eye out for that, guys. It's going to be listing soon. And um, and yeah, thanks for coming on the show. And uh, I just want to I want to thank all the police officers around the country for the good work that they do day in day out. As I said at the start, they don't get paid enough. And um, yeah, you two blokes have been unbelievable uh, sportsmen, uh, police officers. And Ciro, you're still my favourite football player, mate. <laughs> thanks, Shane. Great to talk to you. You too, Dan. All the best. Yeah, thanks, Ciro. Thanks, Shane. Thanks, guys. Cheers, boys. That's it for lunch with Lee this week. A big thank you goes out to our guests, Dan Crowley and Paul Sirenen. 
Thanks to our sponsors, Main Hair Care and O'Brien Beer. Make sure you hit follow on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. Do us a favour, hit five stars, and if you're passionate, leave a review. And come check us out in our socials on Instagram. I'm at Lunch With Lee. Our official lunch photography was done by Felicity Kelly. You can find her on Instagram at Felicity Kelly Portraits. And a big thank you, as always, goes to our producer, Dan McHugh. Next week, we'll be chatting some more legends about music, sport, and business on another cracker episode of Lunch With Lee. We'll see you then. Do-